Welcome to Kuden, the radio show and podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. Hosted by Shihan Jeffrey Miller and Shidoshi Eric White. Shihan Miller is a 13th degree black belt and master instructor of Warrior Concepts International in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Shidoshi Miller's martial arts career spans over 30 years and has taken him around the world to train with some of the world's best martial arts masters. Shidoshi Eric White has been a student of Shihan Miller's for over a decade. Together, they will answer your questions, discuss techniques, history, and current issues important to you, the self-defense-minded citizen and the practicing martial artist. Submit your questions by email to warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com. Hello, welcome to this next episode of Kudang. Great to have everyone here with us. Also want to throw out there a great welcome to all of our new listeners. We've been adding on to a number of podcasting websites, uh, and most recently TuneIn has picked us up. Uh, of course, we're already on iTunes, Google Play, Blueberry, a whole bunch of others, and uh, we'll continue to look to add more just so we can get this out to as many people, make it easy to access for you as possible. I'm Eric White, joined by Jeffrey Miller, and we're here to answer questions, talk about martial arts, self-defense, ninjutsu. Uh, so we got uh, plenty to get into here today. But before we start, uh, we, we've been running this contest, which actually was kind of uh, hit from the 50th episode a couple weeks back, and um, we've extended it a, a further week, but we've come here to the final, uh, final chance for people to win. So we've got uh, winners to announce. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Just like we doubled our uh, listenership last time, um, that really small number of people that, I don't know, either heard it, cared about it, or whatever, that jumped on uh, and gave us a reason to extend it, uh, turned into two dozen entries. So Wow. Yeah. So, you know, not bad for a first one, I guess. We, no, that's know, cool. 24,000 24, entries, <laughs> um, Trend would need a bigger bag here to pull these entry things from, so... So I have my daughter filling in as Vanna White, uh, for those of you who are old enough to know what the heck I'm talking about. Uh, she'll be pulling uh, the names. She doesn't know anybody. Uh, I know there's a couple of people that registered that are either long distance or dojo students of mine. Uh, I didn't want to, you know, even risk having Kuji, you know, pull their, their slip into my hand or whatever. So I'm having her do it. So uh, And we're driving at the moment, but I'm going to have her strike a pose every time uh, just so it, you know, that's the that's the whole thing, you know. So <laughs> very very cool. Yeah, excellent. So so uh, people have entered online, and we have uh, we're going to start. I know with the danger prevention tactics video. So we're going to be uh, we pulling are. three winners for that. So uh, who's getting that awesome video? All right. So oh, sorry, I'm not going to do a drum roll. Uh, let's see. Oh, is that what that First was? First winner. <laughs> yeah. First winner. Uh, wow, uh, this is Therese Ellis. She used to train oh. before she moved to Arizona. You remember Therese? I remember yeah. her. We went to Japan together. We went to Japan together, yeah. So Therese awesome. Ellis gets a danger prevention tactic. Uh, now, these are all digital downloads and stuff like that. Um, uh, just because I don't have the videos anymore, they're available on uh, Amazon if you want, like, a hard video. But we'll be directing everybody to the download pages so you can access these things. And uh, you can have so she gets a um, uh, yeah digital download of danger prevention tactics awesome. video. Yeah, as a matter of fact, right. I think she was actually in on helping to produce that. Maybe that's not fair. <laughs> Maybe that's not know. 
she can let me know. Teresa, if you don't want that, you can switch it out for uh, for something else. Because now that I'm thinking about it, her and her daughter, Annalise, who's now married and probably has like 14 kids or something. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, they helped actually produce the video. That was, wow. All right. Anyway, <laughs> next. Next. All right, Let's next see. winner. Uh, next is, uh, they didn't know their la- uh, last name or whatever. Uh, this is Ray. Uh, the email address that they gave was redtiger2009 at Yahoo. So, Ray, you get a Danger Prevention Tactics video. All right, hey, Ray. Hooray. <laughs> and the third one for DPT uh, is Joe Strahovski. You remember Joe. He trained with us at the dojo a long time ago. Yeah. So, Joe Strahovski, Irish 717. Not that he's not like a Notre Dame fan or anything. Um, but that's I was going to say, is, is right? he Irish? Nah, he's, I don't know if he's Irish, so. but he is. A, I think he's too tall to be Irish, personally. Joe's ginormous, <laughs> unless he's shrunk in his age. I don't know. But anyway, so cool beans. All right, so, awesome. uh, yeah, that, those are the three for danger prevention tactics. What's Excellent. That? So now we have the uh, we have the Coupaton keychain uh, ebook manual. That's correct. That's correct. All, All right. right. So, so we're going to have three winners for that as well. Right. She's striking a pose. She's drawing out of the pouch. <laughs> And let's see. This is this is going to Jason Holix. He's actually one of my newest long distance training students. Uh, email is skywatch02 at gmail. So Jason Holix gets a Coupon keychain uh, training manual. Uh, hey, Jason. Jason. I All right, we got Jason. two more of those. We do, <laughs> we do. So next one goes to Rebecca Ash. Rebecca Ash. All right, Rebecca. Uh, that's at Ash Rebecca at Hotmail. All right. And last one for, what is this, Kubaton? Kubaton. Yes, Kubaton. This goes to right, Christopher Garman. Uh, All I right. I put some kind of CIA cryptic email address here. A bunch of letters. Anyway, I, I'm sure he knows what it is. Christopher Garman. <laughs> he gets the All Kubaton right. keychain manual. All right. Excellent. Congratulations, guys. All right. What's that? So now we have uh, three more winners. This is for the Ninja no Hachimon Basic Course. Yeah, so... Which is cool, because uh, we were just talking about this um, last week. We were talking about the course yeah. last week on last week's call. Right, right. So we have we have two versions of this. This is actually for the intro course, which was done as like a, a one-hour, hour-and-a-half training, something like that. Uh, so there's an e-book that comes with it, and there's an audio um, version of it and so um that's that's what that's happening this is not the 10-week course um that uh is kind of the bigger uh more drawn out kind of thing but either mm-hmm. way it's the intro course there's an ebook and there's an audio that goes with it um i don't know i didn't look up what the what the value was but this is a it's a obviously a bigger download so yeah let's yeah. see uh first winner for this one is spencer reinhardt Spencer Reinhardt. Right. Spencer is uh, Spencer. Oh, actually a new teen student that I have at the dojo. So these people must have, like, saw the last-minute thing that I, I threw out yesterday and thought, oh, my God, something to win. Got to win. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's right. He had her his mom signed him up for her, and she'd keep it. <laughs> <laughs> she trains, too. Okay, oh, so, awesome. uh, yeah, next winner for the uh, Ninja no Hachimal 8-Gates program is James Crosless. Crosless, I think. Jim Croslis at att.net. So congratulations, Jim, James. All right. And then let's see. 
uh, I hope I pronounce this right because it looks like I'm going to be talking to Tone Loke, but I don't think that's right. So, ah. um, yeah, no, this is uh, Tony Reno, I think. Tony Reno at tony.reno at gmail.com. He gets an 8-gate program. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So was that three? That was, was that three. three. Now we have the that big kind of grand prize winner for the right, so, Ninja Camp. Right. So what we're doing with this is we're taking everything, all those, right? So you guys are not out of the running. We're putting everybody back in the pouch. Ooh. So everybody gets a chance to get a um, a ticket to either the spring or fall camp for 2018. Your choice. There's one coming up in May, and uh, there'll be one coming up in the fall. We'll get the date to you for that. Um Transmix, remixing things up, making sure that everything's fair here. Um, what did I tell you the value for this thing was? Uh, full ticket $225. On, there you go, 225 bucks. right? Save that. Um, all you have to pay for is your hotel or however you're staying, sleep in your car. I don't know what you're doing when you come in for camp. When people show up for seminars. They do weird things. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, are you all set? Yep. All right. I am ready. So, Let's hear it. The... The winner of a full fare camp ticket for either spring or fall 2018 is <laughs> Mom, Aaron Reinhardt, Spencer's mom. <laughs> or she gets to come to camp. Uh, and he doesn't. For free. <laughs> and he doesn't, <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So that's our first contest. Uh, obviously, a bunch of people jumped on. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they jumped on either because they didn't hear about it originally or they jumped on and decided they were going to sign up after we threatened them last time that if people weren't interested in winning things, then we were just not going to do it ever again. So who knows? Right? <laughs> who knows? But, uh, but I mean, thanks you know, everyone uh, for playing. Yeah, and 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 this yeah. was something fun we wanted to do for the 50th uh, episode uh, a couple weeks back, and you know, obviously we we never put the the podcast together with the intention of you know contesting for people uh, to win stuff. Uh, absolutely uh, not. Just right. lots more information out there, but but we thought we'd throw that out there for a bit of fun and uh, you know give people a chance to participate in a different way. And it also helped us to know like how many people are actually participating and. Not just I don't know. It's really difficult. When we do a podcast, you know what I mean. It ends up on a on a uh, on a download page, and mm-hmm. people could or could not listen to the recording or whatever. And I would really hate to think that you and I were spending an hour to two hours a week um, every week producing something, and the only three people that are hearing what we're saying uh, are the three or five people that show up live and us. So uh, yeah, you know. My, so anyway, so here we are. Cool beans. And so we got you the, know that's uh we got the speaking of stuff out of the way. Now we're... <laughs> Yeah, ahead. and I want to mention too that, you know, for people who are catching this in a podcast fashion that, you know, we do produce this show in a live fashion. So you certainly can uh join us when we put the show together, it gives you the chance to ask questions and be a part of the program in a live fashion, which is very cool. So if you want to get linked up with that, make sure you go to the Kuden Podcast Facebook page, Kuden Podcast Facebook page. I think that's page. a good point. I think yeah. that's a huge point because of all the podcasts that are out there, um, you know, there are some that are streaming radio shows, and, you know, they have recordings, so they have those, but it's done, you know, with one person in a studio, and they're doing their thing and all that, and then they, they post a recording, right? Um, but yeah. when it comes to podcasting, 
you and I talked about this. Most of these guys are sitting in a room by themselves recording a show. They just pop up as a recording, and that's that's your only chance to, to do anything. Um, you know, if they have it on a, a forum or a, a WordPress-type site where you can leave comments, you might be able to ask questions or whatever. But um, we're doing things like like our original mission was to set this up so it, it not only – was laid out in the format was like a um, morning drive time talk show, um, but also where you know we could take callers and stuff like that. So yeah. I mean, you know, people can do it both ways. Don't think that if you can't. I mean, and I get it. Some people have, have uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? jobs and and and, um, and uh, work hours and things that you just can't be on based on the time zone, you know, where you are. And, and we get that. And some of our listeners are actually overseas. I mean. You know, I have students yeah. in everything from Perth, Australia to uh, India and the U.K. and uh, things like that. So, um, you know, we're doing this now, but it's coming up on bedtime for a bunch of these people. Um, or it's in the middle of the night, right? So, right. Uh, you know, if you're just getting the recording, then, you know, make sure that you're going to the Facebook page, Kuden Podcast, over on Facebook, and you can post questions there uh, or go to uh, the, um, the podcast uh, page, which we just set up another one, um, uh, so that you didn't have to just go to the, uh, the one there. We have a bunch, I have a bunch of different sites. So, um, we will be posting, uh, some of these other addresses so that you can go to the page and actually sign up as a Kuden, uh, subscriber or a Kuden member. Uh, we're calling it an elite membership, even though it doesn't cost anything, right? Uh, where you can go and that way you get all these, uh, early notifications, you can interact with us a whole lot easier because, you know, you'll have an email address that you can you can forward questions to, all that. And that's really how we build it. That's really how we build each show. I mean, yeah. um, you know, I've been I've been doing between online calls and coaching and webinars and all that, uh, if it wouldn't be for people asking questions, I would start to sound redundant to myself because I think I'm coming up with the same the same topic. Not that there's not plenty to talk about, but you know, don't leave me to my own devices. God knows what you'll get. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are listening to this, you know, in a podcast fashion, you're wondering, well, okay, when when do you guys do this live? When can I jump on uh, this? Uh, most Fridays, pretty much every Friday, unless a scheduling conflict arises for uh, Mr. Miller or myself, is Fridays at uh, 2.30 Eastern, 11.30 Pacific. So that that's the times that we actually do the show live and you can participate. And then, uh, again, if you like us on Facebook, the Kuden podcast page, you'll be able to get those notifications on, on when. And, of course, sign up with the email as well. You'll get the e-blast on when that episode's about to go. So you'll get the notifications. So, right, and don't forget to subscribe on some of the other services. I mean, we just, we just put, uh, finally put up a, a library page, uh, which is really what these other services check back in on. So there's one on the Modern Ninja Warrior site uh, that you can go to and, and access all the past uh, episodes. Or we're on now, what did you say? We're on iTunes, we're on Google Play, we're on Stitcher yeah. Radio, now we're on mm-hmm. TuneIn, uh, and they just keep coming. We're waiting for Spotify to tell us that, because uh, we submitted to them as well. They have really high standards. Not that iTunes yeah. Google Play don't have high standards. But, I mean, look, at uh, TuneIn was submitted at the same time that iTunes was. And we're just now getting approved for that. So uh, mm-hmm. they, they have a lot of things to go through. And the ones that have high standards, what I understand is that uh, they don't just look at what you've written or sent in or whatever. 
they actually assign somebody to open up and listen to uh, one to three full episodes to make sure it's professional, make sure it's something they want on their site, make sure it's something of value to people. Um, so we didn't just – this isn't like a directory where I just went in and submitted things and they take it automatically. It's nothing like that. Yeah. People get rejected all the time, you know. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, we're not rejected. So- <laughs> we're not you like us you really really like us so we we in our in our excitement of pushing uh the podcast out further and getting on all of these sites uh you know some of the creativity just kind of started pouring out and you know we we're working on different ways to kind of let people show off their uh their their love of the program and 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 so we've been working on a t-shirt idea and uh, I happen to have a good contact for some really cool uh, a sticker company. And so I thought, let me go and reach out to them. And I had this idea for a couple versions of a sticker uh, that are perfectly sized to throw on the back of a laptop or your tablet or, you know, your car, or whatever you like to stick stickers onto. But um, just to kind of show off uh, the podcast and that you listen and so uh, I, I got a couple designs, and I put a I put pictures of them up on the uh, Kuden podcast page, and you know I said, uh, oh, we're fond of the one that's shaped like a senban shuriken, uh, and that kind of got uh, a little bit of discussion going there, where um, you know you kind of mentioned, well, they're both shaped like shuriken, well, and that might be like a, getting people well, thinking, the, no, it's supposed to be a star, both, right? Yeah, most of the people didn't say. Uh, I like the one shaped like a Senban shuriken. They said, I like the one that's shuriken shaped or shaped like a shuriken or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that always gets a chuckle for me because I said, they're both shuriken. And they're both shuriken <laughs> shaped, right? Um, because you, you, have to, you have to look at more of the history of how these things worked out um, than just, you know, getting fixated on a certain thing. Like, you know, if a, if a star has too many points to it, I'll get back to the word star here in a minute because that makes me okay. cringe every time it happens. But mm. if I don't say star, then people get lost, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, uh, you know, if there's too many points on a shoot again, um, you stand a better chance of it sticking, but you actually get less penetration. So, and not that they were designed to kill anyway, but, uh, like, when it came to the Senban, one of the things that Togakure uh, Ninja did was they put something that was you know, on fire in the square in the middle and remember, ancient Japan was made of nothing but wooden paper, so, uh, you know, with some metal fastenings mm. here and there, right? So you need that thing to embed pretty good. Otherwise, it's going to, you know, stick out from the wall, look like a lantern, and then burn out. So it was a way to actually start fires. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, so, yeah, everybody gets fixated on this thing because since, what, the 70s or 60s when Kung Fu, uh, the TV series, series came out, right? Back then, they were called Kung Fu stars, not ninja stars, because the monks in the opening sequence in a training environment were throwing these things, right? So somehow in the 80s, you know, they became known as ninja stars because uh, whatever, all right? So it's not like they were just, um, you know, they're just associated in one place. But uh, Shuriken can be traced all the way back to when man walked out of the cave and threw a rock at his neighbor. Um, you know, it's just a, it's a throwing implement for, <laughs> for distraction and things. But um, in the uh, Togakure Museum, or the museum on top of Togakure Mountain, Togakushi, these days, you were there. Did you go with me? Yes. You been got, there you and Jay, you, Okay, you and Jason left a little bit early, so I, uh-huh. I lose track of who was where when. But anyway, um, 
that's where Hasmusese uh, had donated uh, a lot of that, like 90% of what he inherited from uh, from Sakamatsuse, right? So there's yeah. a whole uh, display counter or five up there with uh, Shuriken in there, and there's everything from one point to what? One point, two point, three, four typically is where it went to, but there are there were some with five. But they even had ones that were like stones that had been chiseled down uh, to give them a little bit more of an edge, uh, all kinds of things like that, right? So uh, let's not confuse the star shape with a shoot again, right? Um, because uh, there there were multiple types. And while, yes, okay, I guess some of them look like stars, uh, the word for those was um, kaiken, kaiken, I think, hmm. kaiken. Uh, the other name is hira, shuriken, which just means um, uh, flat or, um, uh, yeah, hira means flat mm-hmm. or open, but it's just a flat kind of thing, right, as opposed to bow shuriken, which are these throwing spike kind of things, or spikes, which could be thrown. Mm-hmm. Ninja just as often used them handheld as they did throwing them, because it's never a good idea, especially if the other guy's got bigger weapons than you do, to throw your weapon at him and then lose it, right? So Yeah. <laughs> um, right. But nowhere in the word shuriken does the word star show up. The Japanese word for star is hoshi. So that's not in there, right? Hmm. So uh, even the word for point or anything like that, it's not there. So um, the word shuriken, and there's actually a word uh, which often gets argued about online because people get all caught up. Well, you know, the, the samurai use shuriken. It's listed in their, it's listed in their, um, uh, their syllabus and all that stuff. And uh, mm. while the word's the same, the kanji uh, for the middle syllable is different, right? Uh, what they were talking about with shuriken, uh, that was a, um, a thrown blade, okay? Um, but the, uh, the shuriken word uh, that the ninja are using is actually um, handheld, right? So it can be translated both ways, but um, tactically speaking, never a good idea to throw your weapon. But anyway, uh, the square sticker, when people see these, when you get a chance to see the picture, uh, yes, one is a Senban Shuriken, which is one of the forms that the Dogakure school had. Senban, uh, roughly translated, kind of like moon, give or take, right? Um, But um, the other one, which is square, there's that's still a shuriken, uh, and there's plenty of examples of shuriken like that out there. Um, and then the same uh, same shape, but maybe a little bit bigger or kind of oddly shaped. Uh, as a matter of fact, was a was a uh, focus of training at one of the taikai in the U.S. way back. When was that? Uh, Ninety-seven, maybe. I don't know. Some wow. no, maybe two thousand. No, it wasn't two thousand. Shit, I don't know. I forget. I'm getting old. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, it was called a tepon, and what that was was just any kind of chunk of metal laying around. Uh, typically, on a battlefield, think a piece of armor that fell off or something like hmm. that, right? So it's flat, uh, not typically uh, shuriken size, but during that taikai, uh, you know, we had a chance to buy these, like, plastic training forms of a tepon, um uh, which tepon just means um, it's a contraction of uh, two words, hand iron, something like that, right? So mm. it's a piece of metal you're going to beat the snurt out of somebody with. Uh, but these tepon that they had made were like the size of shuriken, but they were just squares. 
and I think that they made a, a distinct point to say that, and this is true with a lot of things in Ninjutsu, that uh, while a Teflon could be that size, that's not a Teflon. It's not the only the only way that a Teflon could show up, right? It's not, hmm. uh, you know, it's not the only thing you could use. So these are important to, to understand. So we're not getting fixated on a specific form, right? Um, if, if a kid's in school and he needs to defend himself and he's carrying his three-ring binder or a math book, and I know they don't have those things anymore, you're going to have to trash a tablet, right? <laughs> um, but you can hold it, edge on in your hand, so you're hitting them with the corner or the edges of it instead of, like, flat. Right. Yeah. Uh, not that you couldn't do it that way as well, but um, it's for it's for digging and gouging and, and slashing and, and those kind of things, right? So, um, uh, and again, this is another one of those important lessons for bringing things forward in the future. But the point here is that um, they both are shaped like shuriken, if you know the history of uh, shuriken, right? So, and this, this isn't the format to do an entire uh, lesson. Uh, even the shuriken training manual. Uh, there's not enough room there to cover everything. I mean, I'd have to make a an old school math book size book to cover Shudikin, right? So, uh, but anyway, uh, but that was just another. Was I know people people were expressing their appreciation for a certain shape. So I don't want to trigger anybody. Um, <laughs> they were they were expressing their appreciation. I know I'm an ass. Um, they were expressing their appreciation, um, but it just caused a chuckle. But at the same time, I understand where the where the confusion can come in because of all you've ever been sure. exposed to, or that all that's ever been presented to you, was this ninja star idea. Then I could see where that would be the attraction, or that would be the immediate identification. Um, but you know, anyway. So when you sent them, when you sent me the picture and I saw them both laying there, I was like, oh, wow, look at that. They're both like shit again. Too bad they're stickers. You know. <laughs> so five right. ten, keep them in a. Buy 10, keep them in a bundle with a rubber band around them. That way you can whack somebody with them and they've got some weight. Right? Yeah. Oh, I, don't know. I don't even know how you're offering them. I just know you got them. Um, <laughs> were these things that you were going to be offering out to people or what the hell are we doing with them? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I just got a few. Nobody knows. I don't have any. He went and did this all by himself. He doesn't talk to me. He doesn't tell me. Anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> well, I figured that way if it was an utter failure and they turned out like garbage, I didn't have to tell anybody. That was. <laughs> well, they did, but nobody's going to tell you. Because it says Kuden podcast on it, and there's some neat Japanese kanji that spell out the word uh, Kuden. So you know, um, people are gonna like them just because there's Japanese writing on them. Yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, I think we we'll figure out some ways in which to mail some of these out to people. Uh, Maybe we'll do something with you know, if your question gets used on the show, kind of thing. We'll we'll send you as a thank you. Well, don't do that. (laughs) God, Josh. Josh and Steve will have a friggin' stack of them in like a month. <laughs> yeah, one one to, time only. One time only. A, that's right. People need to step it up a notch or five here because Josh is like it's gonna be the this is gonna be the the Josh Bloom Kuden show. So, so yeah, yeah, we'll just we'll just make him uh, part of the program is what we'll have to do. That's right. He's gonna be the comic relief sitting on the couch just like they do in the late night shows. <laughs> Well, I see, uh, speaking of Josh, our beloved Josh, he is uh, he's actually oh, no. on the call, and he, he he's, that kind of brings us to our next topic we were going to get to, which was a, a great question uh, from, from him, and uh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, kind of read what Josh had submitted, and then uh, I'll let, I'll let wait, Josh maybe wait, add a little color wait. if he wants to. <laughs> wait. 
wait. <laughs> Can you open things up? Because uh, you you got all the controls yeah. today. I'm driving. I do. Can you open things up and see if there are any questions uh, regarding the whole About the shirt thing? Yeah, just anything so we can keep everything congruent on the, uh, ooh, there's a big word, um, all together uh, on the recording. Well, I'm jazzed yeah, today. let's Must do that. So I've got, uh, I think I've got it in interactive mode now. So, uh, yes, uh, any anybody there have any questions about this shuriken topic? Stunned in Hello. the sound. <laughs> the sound of silence. <laughs> Probably why Josh is the only one sending in questions. Possibly, possibly. No question. Okay. Yo, hey, wow, is, we got David here. What's uh, hi? What's can that, you hear David? me? I I can. Go ahead. Okay, great. Um, I'm interested in how to uh hold in the hand, the shuriken, to use it as a handheld weapon without cutting yourself, of course. All well, the first question. thing you do is you stop buying commercial shuriken that are sharpened from tip to to bottom because they weren't made that way, right? Um, stop trying to use stainless steel things and all those things that are better used as scalpels, and they look cool and they and they make sales for martial arts supply companies, but they're not authentic. Um, we had made some long time ago. One of my black belts, uh, his family owned a metal fabrication company. And uh, I have yet to find somebody that can uh, make them to order for me in smaller batches um, without demanding that I order 3,000 at a time or whatever. So, um, but he had a la- he had an uh, industrial laser, and he would make these things out of fairly thin metal, not not like aluminum can thin, but uh, fairly thin. And uh, the original idea was to make these things that were were designed to be thin. And that way they would cut or stick just because they were thin, but also durable enough to not bend when you hit something with it, and durable enough to use handheld, but there were no edges on this. Uh, the first series like this that uh, uh, Shiroshi Bud Malmstrom had made way back in the, I think the 90s, uh, he made uh, Senban, but they weren't moon-shaped, they were just four-pointed, and um, uh, they were only sharpened like the first eight, quarter of the tip, maybe. Mm. Uh, Eric, you know what I'm talking about. We have those in the dojo. Um, yeah. The whole idea yeah. is, uh, I mean, this is one of those things, too, where, you know, if you only see an object one way or you're only introduced to it one way, then, you know, the question comes up, how the heck would I hold this thing? Well, if it's made in a way that you're going to cut your fingers, you wouldn't. But at the same time, if it's overly sharpened, how can you carry that on you and roll and, you know, some of these other things that we have in our skill set and not cut yourself up, right? That's kind of like the tipping them with poison kind of thing. It's not that it wasn't, right? But that was a one-off. You carry a vial of poison or whatever the container is, right, or in the process of sneaking up on a place, because remember, this is ancient Japan, right? It's not modern society where everything's cleaned up and we have modern sanitation and all that. If I'm moving in to tag somebody, and I want to poison them, the most readily available poisons of the day were rust and poop, right? So um, I can dip it in before I use it, but to tip my weapons with poison and then carry them in a pouch inside my jacket or whatever and then end up having to roll to avoid something, if I stick myself, I'm done, right? So, uh, Oops. But the, 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 yeah, the short answer to your question is, um, first of all, you have to get training tools that are 
appropriate for all-around training. Otherwise, you, you have no choice but to throw it. And remember, stars, regardless of what they show you in the movies, right, Hollywood by, by and large is incorrect, right? This isn't China. In China, if you do a historical movie, it must be historically accurate. There can be no embellishments or whatever. It all has to be verifiable. And, of course, the history is based on what the government says it is. But anyway, um, we have a lot more freedom here, so we can fall into the trap of believing that things are one way or another or whatever. And unless you snag a carotid artery or, you know, hit somebody in the femoral artery because you slipped into the hip socket or something like that with a star, it's not going to kill them, right? What it's going to do is piss them off. They're going to pull it out and throw it back at you. <laughs> so um, probably not a good idea. Right, like the Japanese uh, spearmen, rarely, if never, threw their spear. It's not a javelin, right? Um, it's a blade on the end of a pole that allows you to reach seven to fifteen feet away from your body and cut them at a distance. So, uh, again, these are just different ways of looking at things. Um, you know, if a shuriken was thrown, it, it contained a message, or you were trying to light something on fire. Or it was a distraction, and while he was busy ducking a ducking a shuriken, you were running in the opposite direction, or attacking him with a blade. My daughter's pointing at something, and I have no idea. Great. Anyway, she's busy playing punch bug while I'm trying to answer a serious question. So, sorry, David. <laughs> you know, you can raise them right, but that doesn't mean they'll turn out right. <laughs> See, I got her to talk. Isn't that great? Yeah. <laughs> Don't complain. You can't get me to shut up. <laughs> all right. Anyway, uh, David, was that helpful at all? Yeah, but the main reason for a shuriken, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, the one that you throw, sure. isn't it to distract? Uh, primarily. Yeah, there are lots of uses for it, but primarily you want to distract. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. so, um, uh, you know, think uh, throwing coins at somebody or whatever, but... Um, the way you're holding these things, and Hatsumi uh, Sensei, way back, way back, we're talking like the early 80s, uh, gave the same instruction, told people to stop buying the martial arts toys from the martial arts supply places uh, because they were too thick, right? Um, mm. And the reason why they needed to be sharpened was because they were too thick. But when they're that thick, you can't carry enough of them in your hand to do like a, a rapid uh, distraction kind of thing, like dealing a, a, a series of cards, you can't do that because you can only hold three or four of them comfortably in your hand um, uh. before, you know, they just become too bulky. So the idea is to be able to hold them and carry them in sets of nine, and they're, uh, what I found is um, when we found the right width for them or the right thickness, um, we could carry nine, and those nine were about the same thickness as three, three and a half of the commercially available ones. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I, I wish I could find somebody else that, that um, could help me with uh, making these things. Uh, Josh uh, Josh was making some by hand, but I don't think he'd be up for making, like, you know, 50 of them <laughs> because people started <laughs> ordering them. Um, but Josh did find a, a neat make a, a stand-in for these things to make things very quickly, and you can use it as a square version or you can just cut it. And he said it worked out pretty well. You could just use shears. What he did was he went to uh, uh, an electrical supply place like Lowe's or Home Depot or whatever and go to the electrical section where they have the metal junction boxes uh, and hmm. they have the, uh, the flat metal plates with a the little, there's like two corner eyelet pieces 
where you screw that it holds in place. Uh, yeah. And that's what he used. It, it was the right thickness. You didn't need to sharpen it. Um, it's heavy enough. And even if you can't make it stick, you hit somebody with that. Um, yeah, they're not going to be happy. So. Um, well, and that kind of points to you've talked previously about shuriken and how you know um, the ninja would need to have another purpose or a reason they might have this thing on them. So that you know, in right. particular, right. the the version with the hole in the middle, an ancient nail puller. So you know, there was a reason that they'd have this thing on them, and it wouldn't give them away that they had something nefarious or a weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right, something yeah, like, and, you know, Josh has found the little plate covered, you know, if you're a contractor, you're right. working on your home, it doesn't look like it is this, you know, weapon you are carrying that you shouldn't have. Drink coasters, anything like that. I mean, think about the, the world that we live in. In a lot of states like California and um, some other places, the, the mere mention of a shootigan. I mean, it's illegal, right? You can't yeah, have it. Yeah. Even though it's not a killing weapon, a bunch of people who had no idea about this weapon, not that that sounds like anything else, they have no idea how you know what it's for, how it works, or whatever. Uh, the movies show that it's a killing weapon, so therefore we need legislation, and we're going to make it illegal. So you can't have one. You can't be carrying one on your person, right? Maybe the rubber ones, but you can't. You know, you can't. Uh, I carry my the car. real thing. Yeah. yeah well, um, I don't know where you live, but North, again, I was going to say North you know, Carolina. I live in North Carolina. Oh, I heard it's really uh, illegal though. I don't know. I've lived in North Carolina in 20 years, man. So um, <laughs> anyway, so, uh, you know, so the whole idea is um, what I, the way I was taught and raised in this art, and we're talking about way, way back before, well, this is me sounding old again, before a lot of you were even glimmers in your mommy's eye or your daddy's eye or whoever's eye had the glimmer. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, you want to see the, the weapons as models that you learn the principles for that type of weapon or that weapon type or for objects that are kind of shaped like that, and then you can replace that with anything that's in the ballpark. Like a bow shuriken could be a screwdriver. It could be ice picks aren't fashionable anymore or even available, but it could be, you know, a chopstick. It could be a ballpoint pen, right? Uh, so, um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's easy. I don't want to say it's easy for me because that makes it sound like I put myself on a pedestal or whatever. That's not what I mean. Um, I learned that these are models. So, therefore, you're never going to catch me outside of the dojo with anything that's not easily dismissible by someone because it's it's that thing, right? These, you know, uh, especially with these, like, these junction box covers. Right? If you've got a stack of those things uh, in a box or, you know, on the floor of your car or in your trunk or whatever, people are going to look at that, especially guys. They're going to look at it. They know exactly what it is. So, therefore, that's what it is, right? Um, that's yeah. why I don't take. I, I don't mind not taking my uh, clip knife, which I almost am never without. Uh, I don't mind ta- not taking it on an airplane because if the flight has a meal, they're going to give me utensils, right? Thank you for handing me a knife. Um, but I take a good, solid metal shank pen, right? Because I can drop that in the in the box. They're going to check it, make sure there's no spike hidden in it or whatever. They're going to hand it right back to me. Great. I got a bow shuriken. I have a Kubasan keychain. I have anything that's, you know, anything that's whatever, but it's not a ball. It's not, uh, it's not a weapon. It's a ballpoint pen. 
right? So try mm -hmm. to look at it from that perspective. All right. Cool. Anybody else? So any, any, anybody else on that? Yeah. That's a great question. Great follow-up question there, Thank David. You. Thank you. All right. Well, um, seeing as how we don't have any other questions on that, uh, we can move on to the question that Josh had submitted. And uh, I'm not sure if Josh is still with us on the call or not, but I will uh, kind of review what he sent in. And he talks about a hypothetical scenario uh, being, right. you know. My friend's uh, mom's brother's second cousin <laughs> had this happen to him. Right. Yeah, uh, I'm asking for a friend. Uh, right. They want to know. <laughs> they want to know. Uh, Do you have so, a boyfriend? <laughs> yeah. And so the hypothetical scenario essentially boils down to um, what if you're attacked, you know, kind of the heart of this question really I think is, um, it, you know, what if you find yourself being attacked by somebody who is a friend, a coworker? It's not this uh, attack that comes from, uh, this traditional sense of, you know, the bully at school or at the bar or something that most people kind of think of an attack coming from in this adversary. Well, what if it's just somebody at the uh, the company Christmas party who's had one too many drinks, remembers that you said you train in the martial arts and goes, I bet can you duck this and, you know, throws a punch <laughs> at you. And, uh, and, you know, what do you do aside from trying not to let yourself get hit? How, how do you proceed with that? Um, obviously, you don't want to break this person as you've trained to do. Uh, and and I had kind of jokingly said to you as we were talking about this before the program, I would probably just take the hit uh, if if it was coming from a, a, a some drunkard who is obviously not steady on his feet. And you know, I've learned to take a hit. Because one of the well. first lessons I learned, <laughs> one of the first lessons I learned in ninja two all the way back was that in the 20th century, now in the 21st century, every serious, well-meaning ninja has a good Jewish lawyer in his back pocket. <laughs> right. Yeah. So get outside of thinking about weapons as weapons and start thinking about tools. But no, I I I get the question here. Um so we're going to we're going to come at it from the perspective of, you know, it's your friend or it's a friend of a friend and you know, you really have a dilemma, right? And then he mentioned yeah. he mentioned work or he mentions family and Josh, you're killing people here cuz you're stacking the odds against them, right? Um and and this is really really important because Here's something I want to I want to address before we get to how would I handle it, okay? Because you're not going to like that either, um, because I just don't answer questions that easily because there are too many freaking variables in a self-defense situation for you to have one catch-all for everything. And anybody that ever comes at me, not not comes at me like attacking, but I'm at a self-defense seminar or I hear somebody that's got a black belt or whatever, and they say, what I always do is um, I walk away because. Mm -hmm. I don't want to associate, right? That that person has a one set fix for all. But yeah. what I want to what I want to establish first of all is that this is a use of force issue, and it's an issue about having the ability to control a situation to the degree or level of the threat that's coming at you. Okay, and taking into account other variables like your environment rules or regulations or procedures, or even the perceptions of family and friends, okay? So there's a lot more to this. But what we have to establish first is that we have to understand that the training that was passed down in the scrolls, because there's a lot of people that are, quote, unquote, purists, 
and they have to do it that way. But we have to remember that those things were established and set down for either A, on a battlefield where you kill him. Either he's going to kill you or you're going to kill him. Okay? There is no middle ground. Or um, it was uh, we need to understand that it came from an environment and a time and a culture where it was legal to do that, even outside of a battlefield. Right? It was legal for certain classes to do that. It was, you know, um, it, it is what it was, right? Or uh, if you were confronted by, let's say I'm ninja or whatever, and I'm confronted by samurai, you know, typical movie scenario, right? Um, I can't let this guy live past this encounter because I'm part of the underground or whatever, right? And so now they go searching for me and my family and all that. So uh, if I'm attacked and I need to escape, then... If he hasn't seen me, and I've been able to use Mitsubishi, or I've been able to use distraction tactics or whatever, and I can escape, okay, great. If not, I need to make sure he can't tell anybody who I am or what I look like, okay? So we have to establish that baseline, that the, the flat-out traditional purist training, there's only one option, okay? This guy, he, he's finished. He's done, okay? And I know that the kata don't always end that way. But the way, you have to understand historically what Japan was like, right? So getting into a – in the history books, it says he was challenged to a match, which to us sounds like, oh, it's a contest, right? You got a winner, you got a loser. Yeah, no, a match was like, was like um, uh, uh, racing for pink slips back in the day, right? Um, what that mm. meant is if you lost the race. You know this one, right? If you mm. lose, <laughs> you lose your car, right? Yeah. If somebody came in and challenged your dojo, people may not have died, but in those honorable contexts, uh, if the challenger that came in beat the teacher, he got the dojo, right? Yeah. So it was your, your best interest to make sure he was buried in the backyard or somewhere else um, so that there, there wasn't any other mess going on. But either way, we have to establish this mentality, okay? So this is really a, strategical or a strategic or a tactical question, okay? Um, and what that means is, you know, what, what's the outcome and how are we dealing with things? So for me to flat out answer the question, other than making sure I don't get hit, how would I handle it, it's really open-ended. So let's hmm. start with the first thing I need to be aware of, and, and we're assuming, because Josh started talking about this guy, you know, he's, he's drunk, he's, you know, getting verbally belligerent and things like that. You've tried to engage, you've tried to de-escalate. So at this point, at, there better be, unless you're, unless you're in a opium or crack den and they're, they're, everybody else has passed out. Um, everybody's paying attention, or a good significant amount of people are paying attention, okay? So the first question to ask is, what are they doing? Okay? Um, yeah. Because, you know, do I physically act because I need to act and then escape? Or the way I act, better provide me with an escape route if these people are on his side and I've got a gauntlet to run to get out the front, back, or side doors or windows or whatever, right? So I need to, I need to establish what, what they're up to. Um, I use this scenario quite a lot in training when I'm talking about uh, the, the use of force thing and knowing your techniques and knowing what the outcome is and knowing what some variations could be so you can escalate or de-escalate the, the level of force that you're sending in his direction 
um, because my my typical analogy is uh, I'm at you know a family reunion and drunk Uncle Bob who owes me twenty bucks uh, is there and maybe I mentioned that hey you know do you have that twenty it's been like fifteen years since you borrowed it uh, can I get it back uh, or he you know he becomes belligerent or whatever um, if I trash Uncle Bob at the family reunion whether people like him or not I do one of two things and usually both one is uh, I turn a bunch of the family against me because I just became something they don't ever want to think about because most people like to believe that they're in control of their world, but all they really are are mouths with legs, okay? So they talk tough, but when real violence comes in their direction, after they finish, finish peeing themselves, then, you know, they start to justify how that wasn't the right thing or whatever. So I don't want to go in that direction because I don't want to alienate family. Yeah. Um, but either way, so there's this thing, right? And then I may have other things to worry about from that direction. But even if people thought it was right in the moment, I will still alienate family members or friends because that's a side of me, and it's a side of all human beings that none of them wanted to see. And now many of them may feel uncomfortable being around me because I just, in that one moment, changed their entire opinion or picture of who Jeff is, right? Uh, yeah. Because, you know, half a minute ago, they thought everything was good, and now, so i got to be careful, right? So um, I think I think, think this the, the answer to this question, and nobody, again, I, I get it. Nobody likes these, these types of answers, but the answer should point you to more training and more in-depth training, okay? So this is why you learn a technique first, and then you start breaking it, right, the shuhari model. You start breaking it, um, and you start looking for variations that um, bring weapons to play if it's more, you know, if it escalates or, uh, you know, just uh, causes you to hit or push or tag pressure points or whatever that cause you to bring this guy under control and, you know, um, make it so that it obviously and definitely looks like you were just trying to control the situation, okay? Um, that, that you're not just trying to hammer them. And a couple of a couple of episodes ago, I had fielded a question from somebody um, where they were talking about um, uh, having an issue when you know uh, they, they really try to be the humble, passive person or whatever. But when somebody keeps pushing at them, uh, yeah. or they threaten violence or whatever, they can't or they couldn't at the time bring themselves to back down and take the low ground, right? They had to win, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we have to be careful, and I don't believe that Josh is this way because, uh, well, unless he's, like, really ninja-like and has really pulled the wool over my eyes in the dojo, um, I don't believe that that would be his first option or it would be the thing that he would gravitate to as the stress went up. Um, but and here's something that... This needs to be said. I mean, this is just one of those Seishin Teki, uh, personal clarity, personal development, um, self-understanding, self-awareness kind of lessons from that level in the uh, level of training in the Togakure school. If you need to win, if you need to trash somebody for saying something, doing something, or whatever, they weren't trying to kill you, beat you, break you, maim you, whatever, um, and it was something that, you know, you could easily escape from, you could easily walk away from, you could easily restrain them, deal with it in a, in a lower key way. 
But that's not you. You can't bring yourself to do that. You must win. And, and, and that's not needed to anyway, right? Um, you mm-hmm. don't. You, you act in a way that doesn't bring attention to yourself. But if you must win, and that's just a part of your makeup, then there's already more issues that need to be dealt with, and, and you need other help that I can't give you because that speaks to character traits. That speaks to yeah. character, not to martial arts ability. And I know how it's going to rub some people the wrong way, but if it rubs you the wrong way, then and I just became an enemy for saying it, then <laughs> thanks for proving my point. Um, so, you know, again, the lesson over and over again is we're ninja, right? So in ninjutsu, you don't have to win. Just don't lose, mm-hmm. right? So And there's lots of ways to not lose, right? But if you need to beat somebody into the ground to prove that you're right, what's that what he was just trying to do, right? So um, anyway... So the, the answer, Josh, is, is at least my answer today, is to uh, explore your techniques um, much more in-depthly so that, one, you can uh, arrange your techniques or classify them as in a, in a use-of-force kind of way, right? Um, which ones are evasion and maybe stinging kind of things that maybe would make somebody who has lower intentions or lower intensity – to decide, yeah, okay, nope, that hurts too much. I don't want to touch him ever again. And then, you know, which ones go in a higher level, which ones go into a higher level, which ones are, if you don't break this guy's body and stop him from coming at you, um, nothing's going to stop him, all the way up hmm. to the ones that, you know, it's the, it's the worst place you could go, right? It's a, it's, there is nothing beyond it, right? So the one thing you can do is classify your techniques that way. The other thing you can do is take any technique and working the, the Henka model uh, or the variation model is to look at it from where it is, determine what kind of level of response that is. And, again, sometimes the only way to know this is for you to be the uke. Okay, so you can't do this by watching YouTube videos and learning it. And this is not about Josh. I just know there's lots of people to do this. They try to learn the art yeah. from one direction or they only want to be the guy delivering the technique. They don't really like being the guy who is receiving the technique, mm. but that's where you learn. That's where you where you learn most of the technique, right? You learn yeah. why it works. You learn to what degree it works. All those things, right? Um, so you classify your techniques that way, and then you work variations to either upscale it or downscale it, so that you don't run into this problem. You, you, you know, you um, always start unless unless he has escalated it as high as it can go and you fear maiming or death, um, that you start at a lower level of intensity, and then if that doesn't work, then you have leeway to bump it up, bump it up, bump it up. And that way anybody that's involved and all the witnesses can see that you started at de-escalation, you started at engagement. Um, And it's one thing, you know, when people look at those things, and we have those eight phases, when, you know, they can say, well, I tried to escape. Yeah, okay, what did you do? You brushed him off for half a second, and then you started arguing back. That's not trying to escape, right? Yeah. And then you tried distraction. Then you tried de-escalation, okay? Okay, well, it looks like you're doing a use of force. And then as soon as it goes physical, the guy's broken with a rib piercing a, a, an organ or whatever, right? That's, that's not still using use of force. Use of force still blends into the physical uh, arena. So um, in, in all honesty, I can't give you a, a way to handle it. My handling it is in all this preparation training so that 
uh, and also working out uh, working out uh, scenario based things with end results and and thinking about you know um, if he does this I you know this is a better option for me or I'm going to start here or whatever and kind of doing this as a visualization training um, so that when you find yourself in a situation like that you're not making it up cold you're not just trying to figure it out on the fly. Because nobody does, I, I, I mean, I, I do well under pressure, um, but that's because of past training. Most people, when they're under pressure, if they don't have anything, they just start grasping at straw. They start, just start, you know, mm. and you're a psychologist. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but um, it is, that's been my experience, that unless you have a lot of training that is wired into the autonomic system and you're, you know, it's in muscle memory, it's, you're not making it up on, on the fly. So anyway, yeah. Uh, was that helpful, Josh? Was is he still on? I'm I'm not was sure if he's still on. I I don't think so. I think he had to jump okay. off. Was that helpful? Yeah, because he usually calls when he's working. Was that helpful for anybody yeah. else? Any other questions? Yeah. I, I, before we do that, Eric, do you have anything to throw on that fire? You know, you. Uh no no I thought I thought that was that was good. Or you could do like uh, Eric did, just take a shot. <laughs> well, that was kind of my thing at the well, beginning. It, yeah. It, it, yeah, if it's your opinion is good, why not? Yeah, and that's what I was saying. It, I kind of laugh it off, but it really, in all seriousness, uh, you know, depending on the person and how this thing's coming in, I, I very well might take that because, again, the scenario, if it's a workplace or something, uh, you may find yourself as, oh, you know, geez, he got assaulted at the work party as opposed to, you know, you, you broke this guy and now you're the one in trouble. <laughs> Even though he was belligerent and drunk, you know. So yeah, yeah. Well, at the same time, at the same time, if this guy's, you know, uh, if everybody's already dealing with him or trying to talk him down or whatever, and he takes the punch, uh, you know, if your ukemi's good, oh my God, you can hit the floor like he really nailed you. What's going to happen? <laughs> Five guys yeah. are going to jump on him. You don't have to show any of your skills. And again, yeah. this goes back to if you have an imperative need to show your skills and show everybody what you know, then you need to be in a different martial art. Or you just need to accept the fact that you're in it for Budo Taijutsu or you're in it for, uh, you know, for that kind of mindset. Um, that's not a ninja mindset. Ninja mindset is I won because, he, you know, he thought he took the shot. Uh, now, can I do that where I live? No, because if it looks like somebody decked me or dropped me, what's that do for the reputation of the dojo and yeah. whether, you know, other people want to train or whatever. So there are certain contexts where that's eliminated. Right. If you're yep. a police officer, you, you're not gonna take the shot and drop to the ground. Right. So. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us. Somebody was somebody's bleeding through there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, that was we we're almost out of time. Uh, we're right up against it. But I I did want to quickly get to one other question that came in through the Q and A side. And I know since you're traveling, okay. uh, you wouldn't see this, but this came in I believe from one of our winners, Tone or Tony. Uh, had oh, had okay. posted this, and I thought this was a, a, a question we could get to quickly. He asks, uh, when practicing Sanshin, and he says, I know it's important to stay in Sanshin. Can you tell us more on the importance of staying in Sanshin? You want the beginner's uh, answer, the intermediate answer, or the advanced answer? A five-minute answer. All right, a five-minute answer. Uh, all right, I'm going to preempt it with the advanced thing, and that is if you understand Sanchin, you're always in Sanchin, as long as you have good Taijutsu, okay? Um, and that means that you need to learn your Sanchin to the point where you can recognize 
the 15 basic basics that are buried within the sanchin so that you can identify them in any kata or technique that you're doing. Okay? Um, if you are be beginner, then what you're really looking at doing is maintaining a profiled position to him so it's as difficult for him to get at you as possible while making it as easy for you to get at him as possible. All right? The Sanchin, and in Hatsumi Sensei's quest video that was put out a bunch of years ago, um, the, uh, uh, the one on the Gyoko to you, uh, or one of the ones on the Gyoko to you, uh, the, the subhead to that was, um, what the hell was that? It was um, uh, penetration, was it, um, oh shit, anyway, one of the words was penetration. Um, it's slipping at the moment because I'm driving and I apologize. But the way it was uh, outlined in there was that uh, Kionapo is about energy conservation, okay, and um, being able to do things with the least amount of effort, but not dead energy. Too many people convince or confuse mm. relaxed energy for sure. dead energy, right? It's just there's not enough, right? Um, and being able to alternate uh, in yo yin yang between relaxation and tension, right? Uh, and knowing when that's supposed to happen. Um, but the Sanshin was identified uh, as for penetration. And the lessons within Sanshin is um, how do you set yourself up and how do you do things in a way that allow you to attack uh, and attack in a way that he can't defend, he can't, um, he can't counter. So how do you do that, right? So hmm. Sanshin Chinowaza uh, with his pendulum striking is about striking in a way where your hand comes up underneath their peripheral vision so he can't see it coming. And it looks like a graceful kind of thing, right? Now, you have to also remember that the Sanshin are based on sword work, um, sword and spear, not on unarmed. It didn't work that way. Our martial art is backwards. It didn't work from unarmed to longer and longer weapons. It started with long weapons, back down to mid-range weapons, down to short weapons, down to unarmed. So, it's kind of backwards, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and again, you also have to remember, too, that the, the nine lineages, there's nothing, our nine lineages aren't laid out like, like most martial arts where you've got a basic scroll where this is where the stances are, this is where the strikes are, this is where, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, very few old Japanese schools were laid out that way. And I know the Koto to you has a Kudai Dori scroll that lists the Kamai, but that's not the point of the Kudai Dori scroll, right? They're there as a base for, you know, all this other stuff. But it's it's not the same where you hmm. learn the stances and strikes and all that, right? Um, back in the day, people that came to these schools already had prior martial arts experience. They already had prior fight and kill experience. The the, the one line that one of the teachers translated for me um, out of a history text was they already had heads in their closet, okay, hmm. um, or heads in their sash or something like that, right? So. What people were learning when they went when they came to a school was they were learning how to apply the newer, higher level, up to that point unknown by them principles and concepts that would make them a better fighter to what they already knew. Basically, they were learning how to defend against um, people from that school and uh, people with their level of skill. Right. So hmm. this is master mastery training for masters, people who are masters already, right? So um, to, to come at this from, and this is where a lot of people are trying to get it, to come at this from a I'm just getting started 
I don't know anything about fighting. I don't know anything about defending against a trained killer. Um, I was told to do these things. Uh, we need to be able to put them in context. Right? We also need to understand that the Sanchin, uh, there's three levels of transmission with the Sanchin. The first level that's solo um, is the one that most people are familiar with, but there's two more levels above that, and both of them include um, a partner. Third level, uh, well, somewhere between second and third level, that's where you start bringing in weapons. And by the time you're at the third level, you're both identifying the parts of the Sanchin within whatever copy you're doing, and you can throw the forms away and still be doing everything correctly. Hatsumi Sensei is always doing Sanchin, but it doesn't look anything like the Sanchin that people have been told that they should be doing. Hmm. Okay? That's why he says you need to do it every day so that you can understand it. Right? But to understand these things, you have to put it back into the context of warfare. Even if you're training alone, you have to train as though you're standing in front of someone who will kill you if you make a mistake. If you leave a target open, they will stab you or kick you or punch you or whatever. If you uh, if your position is not firm, without being tense, but if it's not firm and strong, they will cause it to collapse. If your timing is off, right, they will take advantage of that gap, right? You, you know, think about what you would do if you were taking somebody else apart. You know, start with you and then train to defend against that person. If that's not easy for you or if you're already at that level and you think you're pretty good, then uh, think about how you would defend against, um, you know, some other teacher that you train with. Or how would you defend against Hatsumi Sensei or Nagato Sensei or me or whatever, somebody that will not allow you to make a mistake or make a mistake more than once. Okay? It, it'll be done. Okay? And this is not a two-minute karate tournament fight. This is not a five-minute MMA fight. This is two to ten seconds. If it takes more than four moves, you're losing or you've lost. Um, so explore it from that direction. But, again, he said the five-minute answer here. We've spent entire weekends on nothing but Sanchin um, and couldn't mm. get to all of them. So uh, I don't know. Was that helpful, Tony? He's on the webcast, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's on the webcast side. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, that's uh, no, no, that this is something I still need a lot of work on. <laughs> I think next time I'm just gonna let you talk the whole time. Well, that'd be a short show. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. All right. Anyway, uh, yeah, if there are no other questions or whatever, then uh, I guess uh, we'll see each other, or we'll see. No, we won't see each other. We'll talk to everybody again <laughs> next time, right? Yeah, and we yeah, will. I think uh, we have the email addresses uh, later today or tomorrow. Um, wait, tomorrow Saturday. Crap. Um, as soon as possible, I will get those uh, uh, things, uh, the download links and all that, out to everybody who wants something. And I'll get a letter that you must co- or print out um, and um, bring or you know mention when you're re- uh, reserving for camp. Uh, you can come to either spring or fall of this year. It's only good for this year. So this is a Kicking you, you know, kicking you in the butt, right? You either want to do this and you'll figure out how to make it happen, or you just talk a good show. That was a kick in the nuts, wasn't it? Anyway, <laughs> like I won. Oh, now I have to go. Now I have to go. Okay. <laughs> Who has to go? I'm saying if uh, oh, they won, they, they, they've won. Right. The <laughs> right. Absolutely. 
All right. Well, you know, somebody, I'm glad you're somebody able else to... calls and somebody else calls and shows up with another letter. Um, then I'm going to know that you cheated the system and this better not end up all over the friggin' internet because um, I know who won. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's not going to yeah, do it. Right. She's inside the school. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you're able to join us, even though uh, you were on the road here this week. So uh, thank yeah, you. It's for a that. holiday weekend. Had to go get the daughter. Yeah. That's awesome. Excellent. All right. Well, we uh, we will be back again next week. Again, if you're catching this on the podcast end and you'd like a chance to participate with it live, uh, Fridays, 2.30 uh, Eastern, 11.30 Pacific is when you can uh, catch the show. And for how to do that, make sure you go to the Kuden Podcast Facebook page and you get all the info there. You can sign up with the email list to get all the notifications and links to join us live so uh enjoy uh, enjoy your holiday weekend sir all right you too awesome happy and easter thanks, oster spring solstice whatever you're doing <laughs> whatever it is happy weekend that's right happy weekend <laughs> happy weekend uh everybody stay safe thanks again for joining us on kuden thank you for listening to kuden the podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. For more information on upcoming martial arts seminars, camps, and classes with Sheehan Miller, or to submit a question or discussion topic to the show, call 570-884-1118 or visit warrior-concepts-online.com.